Trigger warning, people. Trigger warning. For mentions of Connecticut camps, racism, sexual assault, and Southern Baptist Convention. Triggers kind of make you feel like um, powerless. Really powerless. It's just something that things are happening around you with, and you have no say in them. And that was a very real moment, you know, in, in the past, very real, but it, it sucks that your brain kind of brings you back there. Recovering from my triggers had everything has everything to do with holding myself back into the present, like yanking myself back into the present and reminding myself what's true. So on this episode of My Sister Said Podcast, I'm going to be talking through the two things that help me handle and start like recovering and healing from my triggers from spiritual abuse and religious trauma. Okay, um, so we're going to get into that right now. Hello, I'm Lucha. Welcome back to my channel and welcome back to my sister said podcast. Glad you're here. Um, this is just a podcast for Christians who want a Christian without a stick up their butt and Christians who want a Christian without pretending to be perfect all the time because that's exhausting. Um, so as I said today, I'm going to be talking about healing and recovering from those triggers because they suck. And um, just, you know, make sure people understand this. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. Um, I'm just someone who has um, just experience with like healing from spiritual abuse and I'm going to be tell- talking about what helped me um, because whenever I had dealt with this, I could not afford a therapist or a psychologist or whatever. Um, I did have a couple psychologist friends, but I didn't really, I mean, they couldn't treat me. But um, yeah, so I'm just going to talk to you about how I healed, how I was able to start recovering from this. Um, and there's two main ways. The first way is kind of pretty like just simple, something that can be ongoing. The second way I'm going to go into the steps that I personally took, the just what I had to do, uh, sorry, the thought process I had to go through to start handling these triggers because um, I feel like I had to do it because I stayed at, I've stayed at my church. I've stayed and continued to listen to sermons and I wanted to stay. I have boundaries. But I also want to continue to hold my church accountable for their, how they treated people. So I wanted to stay and listen to lessons. But, but in order to do that, I really had to get a handle on my triggers because I was just put into this frenzy and just upset when I hear, you know, sermons or when I, and when I, you know, every time there'd be like a racist shooting and my church would be silent about it. It just really hurt me like, oh, just activated my trauma response. And and when I talk, when I'm saying triggers, I just mean the things that happen in church. You just, you don't understand why either if it's hearing a lesson or something that's said or being in a certain place, you're triggered by that. Your body has a reaction. Like you get a lump in your throat or, you know, your heart feels like it drops in your stomach. Basically your body just has a very adverse reaction to, um, to church or to a certain event or something. That's what I mean by triggered, and it kind of ruins your entire day. Um, and I, you know, I had to do some work in handling that. And it, this is hard. I want to be really real. This is this is not fun. It sucks, but you know, but learning it is really is worth it. Um, 
don't know who's watching this, but if you are able to like look into um, e EMDR therapy, or if you're in look, if you're interested in looking into you know psychiatry and therapy and stuff, go ahead, do that, do that. Those if those are available to you. Go. The professionals usually know what they're doing. Um, but for me, I could not afford that. This is just for anybody. If you can't afford that right now, I hope this really helps you. Oh God, I really do. Um, so let's just get into it. Let's get into it with the first thing that helped me deal with my um, triggers in my church. Uh, the first thing that really helped me, the thing that I've been doing throughout that's just opened my mind is the is understanding that sometimes, you know, pastors, sometimes um, leaders or speakers or whatever, they will literally trigger people on purpose. Um, the one thing that helped me is learning about narcissism, like narcissistic personality disorder and toxic personalities. One of the ways I've, I did this was listening to the Narcissist, uh, Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. And um, I'll po you know what, I'll, maybe I'll post some of the episodes below um, this, this video so that you can find them. But just listening to some of these stories made me understand that sometimes some people are so toxic that they'll literally trigger you on purpose. People find your, your you know, a little sensitive spot and they find it and they press on purpose. And it's just so disgusting, but it actually happens. And so watching, I'm oh, sorry, listening to the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast, you'll hear these stories. And a lot of these stories will be like, well, what the hell? They just did, they did what? They said, what? You know, and it'll sound so insane and so crazy. And honestly, hearing these stories, like being shocked. And then I think about my story and I'm like, you know what? Sounds about right. At the end of the day, you need to remind yourself while you listen to these stories, this is, and then think like, this is what they do. This is what people like this do. This is what people like this do. This is who they are. Um, and they will trigger people intentionally. They will try to get a reaction and doesn't matter how it hurts you, they'll do this. And so I've literally still listened to these, um, this podcast, every single survivor story episode. And I'm telling you, they are a little intense and there are trigger wordings for them, by the way. However, each, each episode has just brought me more understanding about what evil actually looks like and, you know, what evil actually like behaves like um, how evil how evil behaves and it just gives you in like insight and you stop being surprised that a person does things because that's all they know how to do um but you're you know you're going to be wiser for it and that's all i can hope for and just to give a quick example of how that has really played out and how it's really helped me work through this and really work through my triggers is just um, um, June of 2022 uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned and my pastor Todd he posted something on Twitter and it was so like ridiculous it was so unnecessary but you know whatever um, but he posted this thing let me see where it is um, he posted this on Twitter. Sorry, it makes me laugh because we'll I understand now. But he posted this. June 24th is the next Juneteenth. Grateful the first one brought good news for, to my African-American brothers and sisters. 
grateful this one brings the good news of life to my unborn ones. Finally, something worthy of making June a month we can be proud of. Today, SCOTUS got it right. And, okay. and so this is where like the two things really helped. It's like, you know, learning about narcissism, learning about narcissistic personality disorder and toxic personalities. And the fact that like, I mean, he didn't need to say that. Like you can celebrate, I, I celebrate Christmas without saying like, yeah, and you know, and Muslims, you know, Eid. I'm like, I don't, you know, you don't need to say that because if you're just happy about something, you don't need to bring something else down. And, you know, toxic people and my pals are so toxic. He, he, they do things in a way that like, it's like plausible deniability. Oh, well, I mean, I said, I'm grateful for it. I'm sad. I'm just like, I know, but you also said a lot of other things. And you're like, okay, I know what you're doing. And if you don't know what a dog whistle is or dog whistling is, um, it's a gaslighting abusive technique where the abuser can cause suffering to another person without others being aware of that occurring. So when the abuse tries to speak up, it's just dismissed by others um, as they're not being hurt by that action. So when the abuse tries to speak up against it, it's dismissed by other people because they're like, Ugh, what's the big deal? They're not being hurt by that action. So Pastor Todd's little tweet was actually a dog whistle against the LGBTQ community and is a racist dog whistle. So it's really, it's very clever and it's something that abusers like to do because they know it, um, it really hurts people. Um, my pastor also used to do this thing where he'd say, what did he say? He would say, the Bible doesn't condone slavery. The Bible doesn't condone slavery. And to everyone listening, it's like, yes, the Bible doesn't condone it. Yes, see, that's such a nice thing to say. But not knowing that so many Black people in the church have told him, like, why do you always pretend like racism is only about slavery? It's not. There are people getting killed every single day by police officers, people getting racial profiled every single day. And you're every time you say that, it's really annoying because... No one's out here thinking that, you know, the Bible condones slavery or, you know, we think that black people think that people in this church have slaves or something. It's like, but you say this every time, but you only shrink racism to just dealing with slavery and not how it actually shows up in the modern day world. Um, and so when black people get upset when he does that, he like loves it. He like, he gets a kick out of it. He says it so often, so often um, but it'll never condemn racial prejudice. In fact, he said it's a good thing sometimes. And so, but everyone else, all the white people in there are like, yes, my gosh, yes, thank you. That's so true. The Bible doesn't condone slavery. But not knowing that he's doing that dog whistle because he knows it upsets the black people in the church because he only, he only shrinks racism to include slavery, American slavery. This type of triggering, this type of dog whistling is something that's common among people like this. Um, my former pastor is not even above triggering and intentionally trying to trigger the survivors of child sexual assault and the victims of Canicook camps. He, you can see here this exchange he has with um, the facts about Canicook Instagram page. Um, facts about Canicook writes, why won't the man, why won't the man in the middle release victims of Canicook child sexual abuse from their NDAs? And then Todd replies and he says, victims should be able to share their story. Sadly, when lawyers get involved, actually lawyers don't get involved, they're brought. 
pragmatism can replace real wisdom. As I said in the post, above are three imperfect men, but outside of the families and individuals themselves who are victims of the tragic actions of the perpetrators, perpetrators, many men, many people have sexually abused children at Canica camps. I just want to clear that up. Okay, continuing. Nobody cares or has suffered more than the man in the middle, praying now with you for all involved in great sadness. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And Lord, as you tarry, bring grace, mercy, and supernatural health and strength to those who have suffered because of sin. Psalm 119.76. This man is full of such bullshit. Honestly, when my friend that sent me this message, she sent it to me, she said, she said she was shaking. She's so upset. She actually lost her brother to suicide because of the actions and the inaction of Joe White and the leadership at Canacook camps. So to say that this man cares the most, quote unquote, outside the victims and the families, there's no outside of the victims and the families. There's people who care for them and people who don't care for them. People who've shown that they give a damn and people who have put the families and the survivors of these assaults under NDAs. Joe White is the latter of those. And this type of triggering is done on purpose because Todd is Joe White's friend and to defend their friend, but still look kind of like a pastor. You want, he's saying all these words, but the underlying context, the underlying theme is to dismiss, to devalue the victims and their families suffering after this horrifying child abuse that has happened at Canacook. And so, as I said, you'll see a pattern of these people using just manipulative language to have some type of plausible deniability. But the fruit of their words is that people are triggered and upset by them. As it is in this case, things are done to get a reaction. And it's pretty pathetic. But now I'm not triggered by it because I understand like, oh, I know what you're doing. And it's like, this is awful, but it helped me understand that these people exist. And sometimes when you're like triggered or feel horrible and your, um, your, you know, your trauma response is activated by someone's actions or inaction, um, that sometimes that's intentional. Um, like I understand like a lot of people who have dealt with the neglect from like SB, you know, SBC or the Canacook um, abuse victims dealing with the inaction of those leaders. But they would always release these statements saying, oh, we're here for the abuse victims. We're here for them. And it's like, you're not, you're, you're not, you're not even, you know, giving, they're not giving the abuse victims what they need, which is to be released from these NDAs so they can tell the truth, tell their story and get healing and not be in that prison. And so it's like, sometimes those things are done on purpose. Some people, the leaders have personality disorders. They are just not well, not good people. So, um, Sometimes that's done on purpose. Um, and so understanding that helped me put who I give my energy to into perspective. It really did. It's like, um, I know what you're doing. Like you're so like, it's, it's becomes pathetic. But so that helped me a lot. That's really helped me engage and understand that that's possible. That's a possibility about what someone's doing um, or not doing. So that's just like something that, that helps throughout. And I really encourage anyone 
everyone, honestly, to look into NPD and to look into Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. And so anyways, so it just helps put in perspective. And so the second thing is um, that really helped me. The second thing I did, and I'm going to walk you through this process. Okay, so so here's kind of the, this is the process I'd go through. It took, uh, I think it, it took a couple days to do this because it's not fun. It's not fun work. So it took a couple of days for me to like to get through this. But this is what I had to do. I had to, um, I had to get into a relaxed mindset. And for me, I I drank some wine to just relax myself. And if you you know can't drink or you don't drink, that's completely fine. Drink some tea. Get into a quiet place and um, you know put on some brown noise or something or some background music or background noise or something. You get into a relaxed state. Try to calm yourself. Um, and you can keep a journal beside you, piece of paper beside you, or you know your phone, whatever notes. And um, let's just start this process. And so I started writing, um, thinking about moments when I was triggered, like what words always made my stomach drop to the pit of my stomach. What sermons that I had listened to in my past, or what um, what situations just really hurt me um and i learned from my psychologist friends that they're like well there's something that you're believing there's something like there's something that you're believing that's connected to that moment you know subconsciously and i was like okay because if you don't know this um there is usually a huge betrayal trauma component to to triggers to this whole spiritual abuse process, um, especially based on what is said on Sunday, it's about love and family and communi- community, and then um, was actually, uh, you know, what people actually practice and what people actually do. And um, so it could be broken trust, um, fear of not being believed, fear of being abandoned, and actual experiences of being abandoned um, and other things. So that's why these experiences are so painful because most time they don't just happen once, they can happen over and over again with people that you thought you trusted. Um, so, um, and, th- and that's why, and that's why working through these triggers can be very, very painful. So one of the things that triggered me it, from my church is like they were, my, my leaders, the leaders of my church, very racist, very like, they did not care for the black people at their church. They just don't. And so, it, and it sucks and it's felt um, one of the things that really triggered me was their silence after like a police shooting or after, you know, a racist event or just, or re- just, they just, their silence about the issue of racism and racial prejudice. That, oh, that triggered me just, uh, it really hurt me. And um, so when I sat with myself, I just had to kept asking myself, okay, why does this hurt me? Why does this hurt me? What is, what is the underlying thought that's hurting me? And I had all these, these, I was like, is that what it is? Is it because they don't care about black people? Is it because they don't care if I die? Is they just won't care for me if my family dies? If this happens to me, if that, you know, um, I, I was going through a list of what, what I was scared of, you know, what fear is the silence rising up in me? Cause it's something like it's, ang- it's anxiety, it's stress. What am I worried about? Um, and then so I kept going on a list of what I could be scared of, what was frightening me, what was worrying me about their silence. 
um, and do the same thing about some of the statements that they would make. Um, and then I finally came to uh, this one thought and my stomach dropped. I got a lump in my throat when I thought of it. And the kind of the root fear that I had in their silence and in their inaction was they are going to make other people just, they're going to make people not care about this and not care about black people. They are going to make other, you know, people just okay with the racism and okay with racial prejudice. And that was just the underlying fear. I'm like, that's what I thought. They're going to convince people this is okay. And that sucked, you know? And I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, okay, so that's what I'm scared of. It's like, because I understand that there's influence from the pulpit. There really is. And so let me tell you what helped me work through that fear, the very real fear that I had whenever I'd hear silence from, or, you know, there was silence from the pulpit about racial prejudice and just not condemning it and not calling it out for what it is. So one of the, so um, there are a couple of questions that I ask myself whenever I am triggered or see something dumb that my um, pastor tweets or doesn't tweet or whatever. Um, so I asked myself, I was like, well, what is true, right? Kind of what is true right now? And I was like, all right, well, I'm scared that they're going to convince people this is okay. And I was like, Uche, have they convinced you that this is okay? I'm like, no, they have not. I still understand that racism is bad. Racial prejudice is the root and it's a sin and it needs to be talked about. I'm like, all right, so they didn't convince you. So they only have so much power to convince other people. You know, people are going to believe what they want to believe. They're gonna, it's like you believe what you want to believe. The people who already believe that this is all right and they don't care about it, they already believe that. But they can't convince someone who understands this is bad, that this is, you know, opposite, right? It's just like people whose eyes are open, it's like harder to close them. So I'm like, it's like, that's true. Facts, I'm a, I'm a living example of the fact that they cannot influence, they only have so much influence. And then the second thing that helped me was to ask myself, like, okay, so what has changed in this moment? What's changed? And I was like, well, nothing. Like, everything's the same. They are not influencing me. They are just, they're talking. They're just doing what they do, talking. And they're not influencing people who already understand this is bad. They're just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're letting people where they are in sin, which is not good. And, and so I was like, all right, well, just reminding myself that something hasn't, you know, nothing's changed. Like everything is the same and I can still, I still have work to do and I still need to move forward. But so, yeah, like um, working through those and asking yourself the hard questions, it sucks. Getting to the point of understanding what's really hurting you, your body, your mind is going to try to protect you from that because it's, it's, it's hard. It's, 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 it's scary. Um, but there is a route to those triggers. Um, and I think, you know, usually that's helpful working with the therapist because they can do it in a way that helps bring it out without hurting yourself. But if you don't have that, those resources, I really hope this kind of helps you see kind of how it works. 
Um, but what's in my life? What is that? Um, so yeah, those are the two things that have helped me work through my triggers, work through my triggers and just walk through them and understand where that fear was, where that worry was. And um, yeah, I hope this really helped you. Okay. Thank you for joining me. Have a good one.